Hey, Anna, remember that time an Irish immigrant was labeled the most dangerous woman in America? historical podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all of their favorite moments in history. And this week, we are going to be talking about Mother Jones. I love Mary this. Mary Harris Jones. Yeah. I love I'm this excited. because we're continuing Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, yesterday, uh, when you're listening to this, not when we're recording it, but when you're listening to it, it was St. Patrick's Day, which yeah. is a very important day to myself and Amanda. Uh-huh. It's one of our favorite holidays. Um, we are literally the only people that I know who celebrate it by, like, enjoying Irish culture and not drinking excessive amounts of alcohol. I always tell people that in our house, it's a family holiday. Like, yes. we go home. Like, we don't live at home. We go home to celebrate with our family. Yep, yep, yep. Which is good. Um, before we get into uh, Mother Jones, would you like a drink update? Uh, always. Hey, sis, do you want to guess what I'm drinking? Mmm. Water? Ah, uh, you got it. Wow. You got it in one. I'm, I'm a drinking genius. Water. I'm a genius. <laughs> I am drinking some Honest Tea, not a sponsor, Peach Tea. Ooh. It's pretty good. I bought it on a whim today because I don't normally buy tea, um, I like, like bottled tea. tea. But I love peach tea, and it's really yeah. good. It is. So they're not sponsoring us, but I do recommend it. <laughs> but sponsor us. I'm just kidding. Also, I know that I'm a dirty liar, and I said I was going to do women's suffrage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to do the British women's suffrage movement. But Dad and I were talking about Mother Jones the other night, and I was like, oh, that is a great great topic so i'm excited I'm doing her i don't know a ton yeah. about her so i'm excited yes i'm very excited she's a fascinating woman let's do it right. well then let's get started and, and ignore the dog i just heard barking i heard that too i thought that it was my stomach growling <laughs> because i'm losing my mind it was just a dog that i bet is probably not supposed to be here because i live in a dorm building and right. you know people aren't supposed to have animals but it could also be a townie walking their dog through campus because that happens is a lot that. it happens a lot Anyway, let's get started. Let's do it. So Mary Harris is born in the city of Cork in Ireland. She is born sometime between May and August, sometime between the years 1830 and 1837. Okay. So there was really no record of her birth. And so the only way people can figure out when she was born is by, like, working with other facts that we had. Okay. I mean, that's not unusual, but that's, like, quite a gap. Right. So she celebrated her 100th birthday. Like, she herself said, it's my 100th birthday on May 1st in 1930. Huh. But she was baptized on August 1st in 1837, and she was... Irish Catholic, so she was probably not baptized at the age of seven. She was probably baptized shortly after she was born. Right. So it's more likely that she was born in 1837. But if there was no recording, it you know, that's not terribly far off. No, but I I mean, you would think she would know her own birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. So, she was born in the 1830s. Sure. <laughs> 
Her parents, Richard and Ellen, are Roman Catholics, obviously, because they're in Ireland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they were both tenant farmers, which was a rough job to have in Ireland. Yeah. So her family has to flee Ireland because of the Great Potato Famine. Bummer. Because tenant farmers did not make very much money, and lots and lots and lots of people were dying. So they left when she is somewhere between five and ten years you old. Know. I read five one place and ten in another place. And if there's that big gap in her age, then of course we don't know, you know when she left. somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Whenever the famine was happening, that's when they left. Right, right, right. So they moved to Toronto, Canada, which is a little odd. A lot of Irish immigrants moved to New York, It's they, but they moved to Canada. Probably a better choice. Probably. Um, but they still face some discrimination because both because they are immigrants and because they are Catholic. Right. Lot, there, so there's a lot of that <laughs> all the time. Um, she attends the Toronto Normal School, what? which is, why is that the name of the that school? That doesn't sound very normal to me for the name of a school. hey That was terrible. Thank you. How dare you? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, this is, she trains to become a teacher at this school. So I think it was just like kind of an average <laughs> elementary high school, school kind of thing. It's pretty normal it's just school. A normal school. Um, but because a lot of girls attended it, they, the training was more towards becoming a teacher. So that's, I found this really odd. This school has no tuition and it actually pays students $1 a week for every semester they complete. Huh. I would have taken that. No tuition and you get paid, even though it's almost nothing? Well, a lot of the times... I know it was a lot then, kids, but, you know. Well, kids couldn't go to school a lot of the time because they didn't, they weren't able to pay tuition for even what should have been public education. But this is what I'm saying. Like, I would take this now. Yeah. <laughs> if this was how school operated now, I'd be getting my master's and another master's <laughs> and another master's. I would just never stop going to school. <laughs> You'd be that guy in the um, Kanye West interludes. Yeah. <laughs> college dropout. You got your master's. Then you got your master's, master's. Then you got your doctorate. Because he says doctorate, I think, instead of doctorate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> My degree keeps me satisfied. Keep me satisfied. What do I got? My degrees. <laughs> it still gets me every time. That album came out in 2004. And that's still it so funny. It still gets me every time. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't actually finish school, but she has enough training to start teaching. Okay. So she moves to Monroe, Michigan in 1859 to teach at a Catholic school there. And she describes the school as, quote, a depressing place. <laughs> well, at least she's truthful. <laughs> so because she does not enjoy that job very much she moves to chicago and works as a dressmaker which was Mm. another like kind of training she got at school to be like a seamstress well sure she was a woman exactly (laughs) that's the kind of stuff they taught women Uh then she then moves to memphis for another teaching job wow and this is where she meets george jones and they get married in 1861 george jones is an iron molder and is a member and organizer for the National Union of Molders. So this is a, an early influence on her later work with unions. Right, right, right. Yep. So since George makes enough money to support her, she stops working and takes care of the four children they have over the next six years. Ow. Three girls and a boy. Ow. It's a lot. Every time somebody talks about having a lot of children, all I can think of is how painful that 
must be. Although a lot of people say after you have your first one, it's not as painful anymore. But I just feel like, God, your body goes through so much. Yeah, and to do that so, like, one right after Frequently, the other. Frequently, basically. Giving yourself, like, no time to recover from one. But at the same another. time, that's a small amount of children for an Irish Catholic. Yes, it is. Even it one living is. in America. In 1867, Memphis experiences a massive yellow fever outbreak. Oof. All four of Mary's children and her husband <gasps> die of yellow fever. Oh, that is so sad. Yeah, so that is why she did not have any more children, because she probably would have, because they had only been married for six years. Ugh. Yeah, but they all get wiped out by the yellow fever. Like, it's a miracle she didn't die wow. if they were all so sick. Wow. And she apparently wore black for the rest of her life. Just in like Queen for her Victoria. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Aw. I'll do an episode about her eventually. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So she moves back to Chicago after the loss of her family. And she opens a dressmaking shop there. She works for the next several years, uh, but her home and her shop are both destroyed in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Oh, my God. Like, this woman cannot catch a break. And those are both, like, big events that she just happened to be a part of. So close together. Four years apart. But, I mean, everybody knows about the Chicago Fire. uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. Gosh. And her dress shop and her house just both happen to be in the part of Chicago that burned. Just after she has happened to lose her entire family to a major to yellow, yellow fever, fever outbreak. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Like, her, I feel like her whole life is, like, you know, later in her life she puts herself into some more of those big situations, but she still is just, like, a part of so much stuff that it's like, how is it possible that one woman she's, participated she, in all of this? She's Forrest Gump. She just happens to be at every major event. <laughs> That's totally accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so after the fire, she is one of, she stays in Chicago and helps to rebuild the city like a lot of the people who were affected by the fire do. Uh, and it's during this time that she gets involved with the Knights of Labor. What a so name. This is where... I know, right? What a It's a name. great name for a labor organization. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it in one, guys. Yeah, they crushed it. Yeah. So this is where she starts her work with labor unions. So she goes to Pittsburgh. Woo! <laughs> I, 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 live, I live in Pittsburgh, if people didn't know that. I paused on purpose because I knew you were going to do something. Thank you. Uh-huh. She goes to Pittsburgh. Uh huh. She worked downtown. Nah, she didn't. She never makes any trips down to that John Eagle. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known this is where this was going. Sorry, I can't help myself. Yeah. She watched the Stellars in that. Oh my god! Nobody can understand anything I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so those Stellars, they just let Antonio Brown go, didn't they? Sorry, it's major news in my city right now. Ah. Uh. So she goes to Pittsburgh and helps organize the Great Railroad Strike of 1877. There she like is this, again. This is what I'm saying. This was like her first experience in organization of a strike, and it's the Great Railroad Strike of 1877. <laughs> like, Go big or go home, I guess. I guess. She also helps to organize many of the strikes and demonstrations that lead up to the Haymarket Riot in what? 1886. Yeah. She was not present for that, but a lot of the 
things that incited that riot she was a part of. She laid the groundwork. She did. Sure. And because of the violence that occurred in that riot and in several of the um, demonstrations before that, the Knights of Labor end up disbanding shortly afterwards. So Mary starts working with the United Mine Workers after the Knights of Labor disband. Ugh. Like the Chilean miners. Oh, no, I should have known. (laughs) How did I not anticipate that would occur? Mm, I don't know. Oh, tragic. Sorry. Um, And she works with the United Mine Workers or the United Mine Workers of America or whatever other iteration of them (laughs) that exists for like a really long time, like for most of the rest of her life. Uh, she encourages miners to stay on strike even when the strike breakers and militias are brought in. So that's like a lot of the work that she's doing mm-hmm. in her early days working with the United Mine Workers. So she also works with the Socialist Party of America. So she was aggressively a socialist, which sort of fits the rest of her MO. Well, yeah. 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 Around 1900, she is focusing her work on the miners of West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Whoa. So that is where she spends all of her time. In this. Another shout out. Woo! Yeah. West Virginia Woo. on the podcast again. She spends a lot of time in West Virginia. Well, you can't work with the coal miners union and not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's around this time when she's in her 60s. Wow. That she, yeah. That she adopts the next na- nickname Mother Jones. So she often called the miners that she worked with her boys. So they start calling her Mother Jones. Got it. Later in life. She would be called the grandmother of all agitators. I love that. She replies, I hope to live long enough to be the great grandmother of all agitators. <laughs> I love that. I just thought that was wonderful and needed to be shared. <laughs> One moment. I need a sip. Oh, me too. Drink break. Beverage break. <laughs> Couldn't quite. You didn't quite get beverage out there. I I tripped over my words a little bit. Thank you for pointing it out. (laughs) So she spends a lot of time organizing the wives of mine workers to protest because she believed that if the wives didn't share the husband's beliefs, the husbands wouldn't stay committed to the cause. That's a fair point. So she worked to, like, educate them on why their husbands were striking and, like, encourage them to be a part of strikes and protests. So, in 1902, she is on trial in West Virginia. (laughs) It's just, I have to do it now. Little Lou every time is my favorite. (laughs) Um, For ignoring an injunction, I put that in my notes twice and it tripped me up. (laughs) I see that. (laughs) For ignoring an injunction that banned meetings of striking minors. Mm. So, she just disregarded that entirely and got in trouble for it. Uh, West Virginia's district attorney <laughs> called, her, called her the most dangerous woman in America. Yes. She comes into a state where peace and prosperity reign, well. crooks her finger, and 20,000 contented men lay down their tools and walk out. Good. Isn't that incredible? That's a great quote, and I know that he meant it to sound bad but it sounds really good oh she took it in stride well yeah she has she has so many great like quotes and stuff that i couldn't even put them all in there i just feel like that's the kind of thing where like he obviously meant it to be negative but if that were something that were said about me i would be like put it on my my tombstone yeah yeah yes i am 
She once was asked what her address was, and she said, the sole of my shoe, it goes with me, or something like that. That's pretty good. I just love her. So in 1903, she organizes a march that is known as the Children's Crusade. Uh, While she's working with strikers from the silk mills of Pennsylvania, she notices that a lot of the children that are working there, which is already terrible enough, she notices that they have missing fingers (gasps) and a lot of other disabilities. So her initial plan is just to publicize the poor working conditions for these children. So she gets information together and she takes her story to a bunch of newspapers and they all refuse to run her story because the mill and miner owners have stock in the newspapers yes her response to this was quote well i've got stock in these little children and i'll arrange a little publicity good for her she's everything she arranges 200 children to march from philadelphia to president roosevelt's summer home in oyster bay new york wow The children carry signs that say, we want to go to school and not to the mines. How far apart are those two places? Look it up. Look it up. about to. It has to be very far. Let's see. Where did it say his Oyster Bay, New York? Oyster Bay. Wow. Well, uh, by car and with today's traffic. Two hours and 41 minutes. Okay. By car. It doesn't... I, I don't how know how many miles? miles. I was just trying to figure that out. Oh, 134 miles. Wow. I'm not sure that that's not a little bit child abuse. <laughs> I know she didn't intend it that way, but you can't have children walking 134 miles. That's absurd. Yeah. Well, they stop along the way. Well, yeah, but can, still... Nobody can make that march like that. Still, that's a yeah. long way to walk. It is. Uh, the march takes several weeks. Well, yeah. Obviously. And Mary speaks in towns along the way, like informing them of the poor working t- conditions of these children and how she demands to be heard and all of this. When they arrive in Oyster Bay, the president refuses to see them. <gasps> Roosevelt, come yeah. on. Yeah. Even though they didn't get the meeting with the president, they got a ton of publicity for the march, obviously. And it spurred on a bunch of the child labor laws that followed very soon after because it was so obvious the conditions that these children were under and she caused such a stir that they couldn't ignore it anymore. Right. So they moved on and started implementing a bunch of child labor laws after that. So this is, I found this really interesting. Despite being a very powerful activist, she doesn't support women's suffrage. It's because... Largely because she's, like, a very traditional Irish Catholic woman. Well, sure. She believes that the woman's place is in the home, and that's Mm. why men should be paid a reasonable wage so they could support their wives. Yeah. (laughs) She's also quoted as saying, you don't need a vote to raise hell. I mean, you do a little bit, though. You do a little bit, though. But it's absolutely true that she isn't against women. Like, every time that women are treated poorly in the mines, she helps them, regardless of whether or not she thinks they should be working. Like, it's just that her very traditional upbringing and her very traditional views, she didn't think the vote was necessary. Sure. But she didn't stop her from doing a lot of really great stuff. It's just a thing about her that I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Shows how much that... um, upbringing has an effect on her like after right. even after seeing all of the conditions that those women's were in she still believed that i don't know I did that you was... just say women's 
Did I? Yep. I was about to take a drink, and so I was, like, kind of zoning out of my own words. So, well, but you pointed it out with me earlier, so your turn. Oh, no. (laughs) I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. (laughs) I'm completely sober, I swear. I'm just really, really tired. This time change has me really messed up. So this next little bit is, like, one of my favorite things that she did. I just find it very cool. Okay. In April of 1912, miners begin striking in what will be known as the Paint Creek Mine Wars in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mary arrives in June to help organizing as miners are being evicted from their homes. She arrives in the midst of daily violence between the strikers and the mine owners. Like, this was one of the most violent strikes in West Virginia history. Mm-hmm. She lives in tent cities with the evicted strikers. Like, every oh. time she went somewhere to work with the strikers, she always lived with them. Like, in the worst conditions every time. Well, sure. She would be a little bit of a hip- hypocrite if she didn't. Yeah. And in July, she goes to another town in West Virginia where there are miners who are suffering similar conditions but haven't started striking, and she convinces them to come join the other strike, even oh, though wow. it's really dangerous. Yeah, she, like, says, hey, you are in a bad condition. Do you want to strike too? And they go, sure, and they come over and they join the strike. She organizes a march of 3,000 striking miners to march to Charleston. Wow. And they, like, read some declaration of war on the state for their treatment. I don't mm-hmm, remember. Mm-hmm. Something like of that. Of course. Naturally. Martial law is declared and revoked two different times during these wars. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's messy. She's arrested on February 13th, 1913 in Pratt, West Virginia. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you did it earlier when I said that the strike was in West Virginia. Well, no, but... I knew that this was coming up because I saw it in your notes, so I was just waiting for that. A better opportunity. Yeah. She is charged in military court for inciting riot and later for conspiring to commit murder, which I'm pretty sure they just threw on there. Uh, Yeah. Just sprinkled on top for some extra drama. Mm -hmm. She refuses to recognize the legitimacy of her court-martial. Good. Which is fair because... The martial law is ridiculous. Um, She is sentenced to 20 years in the state penitentiary. She, while she's being kept at Miss Canary's, Mrs. Canary's boarding house. Wait, is that the, was she sentenced to the one in Moundsville, that state penitentiary? I think that she initially was, but they ended up not keeping her there. Okay. This Mrs. Canary's boarding house is actually a prison, but they called it's it a, a boarding house. I it's bet a it was women's a prison for prison. women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's now just known as Mother Jones's prison. Oh. It doesn't like exist anymore, but that's what it's referred to as now because she was the most notable person to be oh. kept there. Mm-hmm. Um, but while she is being kept there, she contracts like deathly pneumonia. It, like, almost kills her. She gets really, really, really sick from it. Uh, She is released after 85 days. Nothing I read said, like, exactly why she was released, but there was, a like, a new governor came in, and he released some of the people who had been arrested in the middle of the mine wars because he was trying to, like, clean it up, and he had a lot of, like, pressure to release her. Mm -hmm. And she was so sick and she needed a hospital that I think eventually they just, like, let her out. (laughs) They just gave up on that whole prison thing? Yes. I also read that she, like, snuck this, like, note out of the house in some, like, elaborate way 
to the governor of Colorado because there was a mine war happening there that we'll get into in a minute that she like fully intended to go help with. And so I apparently like that had some influence on it. I don't know. It was just very weird and interesting the way that she kind of got stuck. Okay. So while you were talking about Mother Jones prison, I I just like Googled it and I found this quote (laughs) from her speech at Coney Island in 1903 that says, I met a man in prison once and I asked him how he happened to be there. He said he had stolen a pair of shoes. I told him if he had stolen a railroad, he would be a U.S. senator. Oh, my God. Very good. She's an icon. <laughs> like, this is what I'm saying. She just has a wealth of funny and excellent it's quotes. That's a really good one. Like, both that she has said and that has been said about mm-hmm. her. Oh, I just think she's wonderful. So, in 1914... Like, right after she gets better from her pneumonia. As soon as she she's out of jail, she recovers from her pneumonia. And doesn't have to finish her 20-year sentence because she got pneumonia. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just kind of got passed along. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to Ludlow, Colorado, where miners are striking against a company that is owned by John D. Rockefeller Jr. Hey, I've heard of him. Yeah, haven't mm-hmm. we all? <laughs> I um, couldn't remember which of the Rockefellers was once a president of my school. Yeah. And so I had to go Googling and make sure it wasn't this Rockefeller. No, I can't remember which one it, it is, wasn't. but it's not this one. It's the fourth, because right. he was president in the 70s. Right, that's right. Our college, thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> she was arrested again <laughs> while helping the miners during this strike. And after she's arrested, the wives and children of the strikers organized to protest her arrest. So many protests. I heard you like protests, so I put a protest on your protest. That's a throwback. <laughs> Thank you. It's true, though. It's what, she's, <laughs> what she does. They're in the middle of a strike, and then there's a protest on top right. of that strike. And they were, like, planning on marching on the prison to get her released, and apparently... They released some armed guards on the women and injured some of them, and it became, like, way too much for them to handle. So she was released, (laughs) and she was moved out of the state. They were like, you are not allowed to come back (laughs) until this is settled because you're causing too much trouble. Uh, That's funny. So after the Ludlow Massacre, which was an event where I think the National Guard came into a tent city that was set up, for the striking workers Mm -hmm. and killed a ton of them. After that happened, she met with Rockefeller. She like went to New York and went to his offices and met with him and convinced him to go and visit the mines because he owned them, but he had never seen them obviously because that's what those people did. He's a rich person. He doesn't have to see them. Exactly. And after he saw the poor conditions, he began implementing reforms. Huh. Funny how that works. Funny how that works. Funny how you see how terrible can't trust the people who have been telling you that forever yeah oh these dang miners are just causing a bunch of trouble they there's no way their claims are accurate they're just mad they just want more money like no they're literally dying and you you need to do something about it i see it i get it i get it oh really wow okay oh the rich (laughs) capitalism am i right oh my god (laughs) 
So she continues organizing and speaking on union issues well into the 1920s. Like, does she does this for like her entire mm-hmm. life? She's in her 80s and she's still going around and or possibly her 90s, kind of according to her. Po- who who knows? Who knows? Really? She releases her autobiography about her life and troubles in 1925. <laughs> I like how you said her life and troubles <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to put out her own experiences with all of the labor wars like she just wanted her story known so she made an autobiography for her which i'm sure would be very interesting during the 20s she lives with her friends walter and lily may burgess on their farm in uh, adelphi maryland that one doesn't get a woo I- i've never lived in maryland <laughs> The only one. Oh, Colorado didn't get a woo either. No, it didn't get a woo either. I've just never lived there. I haven't even touched on, like, probably half of the places she went well, and the work that she did. Not all of lot. them were as well recorded, obviously, but, like, she went all over the country. She was, like, the leader of the labor movement during this, like, really, really, really turbulent time. Right. She was in the West for several years before she was in West Virginia for the mine wars. And she spent a lot more time in Colorado than just that one time. Like she was everywhere all the time doing this kind of work. Mm -hmm. She dies in Silver Springs, Maryland on November 30th, 1930. So that was the same year she celebrated her 100th birthday. She was possibly a hundred. But she was also possibly 93. Right. (laughs) She was somewhere in there. Mm, Sure. She is buried in the Union Miner Cemetery in Mount Olive, Illinois. Hmm. So this, I think I took straight from an article. Um, I'm just going to read this whole thing because I thought it was very interesting. Okay. In 1932, about 15,000 Illinois mine workers gathered in Mount Olive to protest against the mine wor- the United Mine Workers. I think that they were having some internal issues with the The union. organization. Mm-hmm. Sure. Convinced that they had acted in the spirit of Mother Jones, the miners decided to place a proper headstone on her grave. By 1936, the miners had saved up more than $16,000 and were able to purchase 80 tons of Minnesota pink granite with bronze statues of two miners flanking a 20-foot shaft featuring a bas-relief of Mother Jones at its center. So there's this big obelisk. With two <laughs> miners next to it. On October 11th, 1936. Wow, it's huge. Yeah, it's massive. It's huge. Can you believe she went from not having a headstone to having that? To that. I mean, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. On October 11th, 1936, an estimated 50,000 people arrived at Mother Jones' grave to see the new gravestone and memorial. Since wow. then, October 11th is not only known as Miner's Day, but it's also referred to and celebrated in Mount Olive as Mother Jones Day. Wow. But that's like Miner's Day all over the country now. I'm also pretty sure it's uh, Hallie and Annie's birthday in The Parent Trap. <laughs> it is. It is. Right? Oh, what a pull. <laughs> I, I need you to understand how many times I've seen that movie. <laughs> oh, I know. Because as soon as you said that, I was like, I oh know yeah, you it's October know, 11th. but... I'm not sure you know how many times I've seen that movie. (laughs) It totally is. Wow. I wasn't ready. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) 
Uh, she has been referred to as the Miner's Angel. That is what she is commonly known mm-hmm. as, which I think is well-deserved. Yeah, pretty accurate. In the 1970s, the Mother Jones News Magazine was established. I'm not totally sure why they picked that name, because I don't think it's like a union or labor magazine. Maybe somebody was just a fan. But th- Probably. I think it's like a progressive magazine, so it kind of makes sense, but just like, I don't know why they picked that, but it's still in circulation. There is an elementary school in Adelphi that is named after her. How cool would it be to go to Mother Jones Elementary School? That's a good name for an elementary school. I think it's her full name, but still, it's very cool. I mean, you I would call it that if it were me. Yeah. This is very interesting that I didn't know. Students at Wheeling Jesuit University in William, Wheeling, West Virginia. Oh, you almost said Wellingstown. I did. <laughs> Which is our hometown <laughs> and not the same as Wheeling. Yep. Students can apply to reside in Mother Jones House, an off-campus service house. I think I've heard of this. Residents perform at least 10 hours of community service yes. each week and participate in community dinners and events. I've definitely heard of that. That is so cool. And Jesuits a, a Catholic college, so yeah. that makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I, not only that they have that, but that it's also that it's named after her. I think it's and, really and that neat. it's like a service. That's pretty cool. I've never, I don't know of many places that have a house dedicated to people who want to live there with the purpose of doing doing service service. and i think they like host the community dinners and events and things well sure they have a house that's so cool uh she too was inducted into the national women's hall of fame in 1894 i thought that was so appropriate that both of our women's month ladies were in the hall of fame that is true a plaque in her honor was placed in cork on August 1st, 2012, to mark the 175th anniversary of her birth, because Maybe. that's as close as we know to her birthday. Yeah, <laughs> You didn't go there when you were in Ireland, right? No, we didn't go to Cork. I think Grandpa maybe went when he I think that he did. Ireland. We'll have to ask him if he went there. Yeah. And I was reading that the motion to create this plaque was put forth on uh, International Women's Day a couple oh, well, of years before they go. placed it. Yeah, I just thought that was super cool. There is a highway marker in Pratt, West Virginia, to commemorate her imprisonment. <laughs> I but like it's like, that. here's the place where she got... Arrested. Arrested. <laughs> <laughs> which I just thought was excellent. <laughs> That's good. Um, there have been many, 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 many songs and plays written about her. Even if the song is not about her, she's mentioned in it. There are so, so many songs about her. She was such an inspiration to so many people. The most notable song about her, this is fascinating, in the American Song Bag. Bad name, by the way. Yep. Carl Sandburg suggests that the she in She'll Be Coming Round the Mountain references Mother Jones and her travels to Appalachian Mountain coal mining camps, promoting the unionization of the miners. That's amazing. Isn't that so interesting? I was reading about that song, and it seems that it's more that the she is like the chariot of God because it's yes, inspired that's what from I've some, heard. Old, some old song. But also, around here, that's probably pretty accurate. They probably did start like interpreting calling it her that way. Yeah. Yeah. Singing that in her honor. That's a really good fact. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. That's, I think that's all I have on Mother Jones. I loved it. Thank you for Thanks. bringing that to the table. Might be a little short because well, there's not a whole lot documented about her life, but sure. still. Well, don't worry about it being too short because uh, 
History's great, but today is cool too. What's your favorite thing about modern times? Good every time. Thank you. I can't believe you came up with that song on the spot the first time and you fully got it in in one. Thank you. Um, It's excellent. I'm glad I did too because now I don't have to keep thinking of new ones. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. It's very difficult to do. Um, I have something about modern times that I would like to bring to your attention. Oh, Welcome to Modern Times. It's a segment in the podcast where we talk about things that we like about the modern age, not just history. Um, And here's something that I like very much and that I've just been thinking about. Hey, everybody, guess what? Uh, Grandma friend culture is here. It's it's here to stay. It's low energy and... Uh, but very enjoyable uh, in its grandma <sighs> culture. It is doing puzzles on the weekend, yes. which is what I did yes. all weekend. And knitting blankets, which I'm about to finger knit a blanket. And that just means loop yarn. Um, love this. I, I am fully I immersed this. in it. I was talking about this yesterday with my friend because we were talking about after how how after we turn 21, we're going to have wine nights where we watch Downton Abbey. Yes. And that feels very... Ugh. mom grandma culture it's to extremely me. that's a little more mom culture but but on the edge of grandma culture. It, yeah, yeah it's the wine that makes it mom culture but the downton abbey yeah. makes it grandma culture um yeah yeah i mean today i went to the i went to walmart and i bought a toothbrush and five skeins of loop yarn <laughs> i got a package in the mail today do you know what was inside it a cheese board because I realized I didn't have one. <laughs> oh, grandma culture. <laughs> I mean, I I've literally been sitting here working on a puzzle. I did it all weekend. Yeah, I love this. I'm very into I love the this idea and I'm so down. of like it's popular now. Yeah. To I like agree. sit it's around your house and to just relax. like relax. Yes, relax and be comfortable and do things that are like tactile but not it is less expected for your fun to be to go out and do stuff yes. and it's more like acceptable for your fun to be to stay in and do things that you enjoy. you could also just call it self-care culture yeah but yeah, yeah. i mean it's similar although to me not exactly the same yes i love this that's the this modern time uh thing i wanted to bring to the table do you have a modern time thing i do and it's not the same, but I feel like it vibes well with yours. Right? House plants. Oh, that's a good one. I bought myself a cactus yesterday. <gasps> a cactus? Yeah, I my friend got me one for my birthday last year, and I was at Walmart, and I saw a cactus that I really liked, and I decided that I needed another cactus. And so now I just have two cactuses, cacti, if you will. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Uh-huh. Um, and I love house plants. I have fake flowers in my room because I can't have real flowers because yes. they make me sneeze. But they carry the same energy of house plants, wherein I just like to have things that brighten my room that are living and colorful. I love that. I, I love that it's very much a thing. It's a thing in my office. Um, mm. People keep plants on their desks because we have mm-hmm. big skylights so they can set them under them to like sun. And, and people have succulents on their desks. Um, yeah. I have a fake succulent on my desk that someone else got <laughs> for me, but it's very cute. Um, yeah. I, I can't keep plants in my house because I will kill them. Also, mm. I can't keep flowering plants in my house because I'm also very allergic to them. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm probably even more allergic than you are. And that's yes, saying you something. Are. Like somebody got 
flowers delivered to them on Valentine's Day, like to the office, and she sat right by me, and oh, my eyes were watering. <laughs> on, on Women's Day, we had like a town hall meeting, which is like just our whole company meets, and um, they had set up tulips in the back and they were like happy international women's day take some and i was like i can't have them near me i'm so allergic (laughs) and we were sitting in the room doing the meeting and my eyes were just like i was like oh my gosh everybody's gonna think i'm high um but i do love plants i think they're beautiful to look at i just can't keep them in my home but i like that it's it's so nice to have ferns and succulents and like little low maintenance things that are just there to like comfort you and remind you of like spring and the winter and it's just they're nice i just love them i love that that was a really good one thank you this has been modern times thank you for listening thank you for listening to the podcast i hope that uh you enjoyed women's history month next month doesn't have a theme but i think i'm going to get back to the tutors next month so if you listened to my past episodes about um catherine of aragon and anne boleyn this next one may interest you as well. We're going to get back to Henry's wives as long as I follow through <laughs> and do it. Yes, because we all saw how that went. I had a plan <laughs> this week and then changed my mind almost you had immediately. A, um, you had a, a stroke of inspiration. So I did. that's okay. If you, uh, listener, have suggestions for other things you'd like us to talk about or if you have questions or if you just want to talk to us, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at RTTPod. You can also find us on Facebook at Remember That Time. You can follow me across all social media at The Real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter all over the internet. Nerdfighters. Uh, yeah. I did the symbol, but you couldn't see it because this is an audio recording. I, f- I felt it. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's my turn to finish. Sure. All right. So, until next time, remember that time. Mm-hmm.